Hi, everyone. It's Jen. Hi, it's Jill. We wanted to share with you the following episode from our Detour series, which is available on Patreon for members at Tiers 2 and above. Our Detours episodes contain extra content related to our free episodes. And this Detours is all about episode 72, Discovering Blackbeard, Infamous Pirate of the Atlantic Coast. That's right. But this detour is extra special for a couple reasons. One, it's longer than our average detours. Secondly, it features our chosen family member and my bestie, Ryan, who has an interesting perspective on Blackbeard, and he brings a lot to the conversation. But before we get there, I do a really deep dive on the origins of sodomy laws because they still affect certain parts of society today. And to be honest, you guys, legit triggering. It's so triggering even for Jen and I. So please look at the show notes before you listen because we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But if you want to skip the sodomy talk altogether and get right into Blackbeard, please meet us on minute 13 and 30. Eight seconds. Jennifer gets me off my tirade and refocuses me on Blackbeard. Hope to see you there. Bye. Hi, guys. Welcome to Detours, episode 72 about Blackbeard. Hello. We have a very special guest today. One of the most specialists. <laughs> Yay. Hello, Mystics. <laughs> Hello. This is Ryan, my bestie and a member of the Mystic family, like one of the original Misties. Mm-hmm. I'm an OG. You are. An o- yeah, you are. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. I'm so excited to see you today. I'm excited to see you girls today. So, you guys, the reason for today's episode is because when we were discovering Blackbeard, we found out that he was indeed homosexual and the choices he made in life were based on the criminality of homosexuality at the time. That's what our perception. Yeah. That and the social pressures as well to be straight and, you know, to live a conservative life. Absolutely. Because of that, we have Blackbeard and it's wonderful myths that just keep on giving. And like 300 years later, here we are still talking about Blackbeard. So that got me thinking, why do we have laws against sodomy and why some of them are still around? So I wanted to understand like the origin of these laws, where they come from, and then ultimately how they affect our modern lives. So that's what's going to be on today's episode. Fascinating. I know. I'm so excited for this conversation because Jen and I are straight and we're white and we're women. We (laughs) seriously, we we haven't. (laughs) Have we met? We grew up in a way that what made us different from people was like we weren't privileged, like we weren't a part of what people would consider normal or like Brady Bunch. We weren't that. But we also did have a privilege where the things that made us different wasn't criminalized. Mm. Right. Like if little chubby girl can walk up the stairs to the courthouse, little chubster is going to get married. Like no one's going to stop her and be like, you're too fat to get married. You know, but that's not how. It is with other things that were criminalized that people looked at and been like, you're different, so you can't be married. This is against the law because this shouldn't be happening. It's unnatural. And so in that sense, I feel like we are privileged. That's how my little Jilly mind conceptualizes the idea of being privileged or not. We are a recipient of that privilege. But Ryan, you weren't. Right. I mean, in a way, I I did have privilege, you know, in a way. Right. I didn't come out as gay until I was 21. 
you know? So being a white male, I did see privilege of some degree, right? I was really surprised the origin story of these laws. So Jen, can you tell us what sodomy laws are and how they came about? A sodomy law is basically a law that defines certain sexual acts as crimes. And they're typically understood by the courts to include any kind of sexual act that's deemed to be, quote, unnatural or, quote, immoral. What would include? Really? No, no, really, really. (laughs) Why don't you say this part? (laughs) Okay. Nobody wants to say this part. No, I'm saying it. So no butt (laughs) stuff. No butt stuff. It doesn't matter if you're straight or gay. And I do have straight friends that like butt stuff, by the way. Seriously. I'm I'm just saying that the laws. I do also. (laughs) The origin of these laws weren't to stop gay people from doing what they like, whatever they they were to be like, if you're having sex, it's for you to produce. So you can't have oral sex. You can't have any act that doesn't lead to procreation is basically outlawed or at least was outlawed way back when. And they go way back when because we're talking about Assyrian law codes. So 1450 to 1250 BCE. That is a long time ago. Today, um, modern day Mm. Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Iran, that area in the Middle East. And the punishment for breaking those types of laws was incredibly brutal. There are still places that are brutal today. Why were these laws important? Like, what was the point of them? Like, just like no butt stuff. Like, I don't understand. Like, why did they create these laws? Well, see, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Explain to me the me. the link between outlawing acts that do not lead to procreation and promoting a patriarchal society. Can you explain that to me? I will. I'm so glad you asked. What I'm finding out is that it was the men of the area were saying we are in control of when we're going to have sex, when we're not going to have sex, when babies come about, we're not doing it for pleasure. We're doing it solely to produce. And it just so happens that if a woman has a pleasurable sex or not, does it matter in the procreation purpose? Right. But men have to enjoy it to have procreation. So the whole part was to kind of flex power and authority over women and to be like, we're doing this now. It was part of a larger collection of laws. This is just a small part of the laws that were created at the time. In the Assyrian law codes, there were 25 different laws. And these specific sodomy laws were just like three out of the 25. So it was a part of a larger package really to promote the patriarchal flex of you know what, this is just what we're going to do and what we're going to follow. Interesting. It is interesting. These sodomy laws just started to control women, which as a woman, I didn't make that connection, which is kind of foolish, right? Like I didn't even stop to think about no, it. I didn't make that connection. And you just explained it to me. I had never thought about that before. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, it's sad and scary. It's really it makes scary. Makes you want to do butt stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is looking at ancient civilizations, going to the Roman Empire, the Romans criminalized sex with free born male minors. So if you were a man, you you couldn't have sex with a free born male minor, but you could have sex with female minors or enslaved males. That's very interesting. Again, it It seems to be around power. Right. Exactly. Who can you abuse and who can't you abuse? Who can be subject 
to abuse. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the morality. Right. Then after the Roman Empire, you've got the spread of Christianity, and that's the third through the seventh century. This is really how the sodomy laws spread throughout the Western civilization. Through Christianity. Right. Where we first saw it in the Middle East and then in the Roman Empire, which expanded throughout Europe and other parts of the world. Now it's going to the West via Christianity. Would you say that this is when the whole moral code would come into place and these type of acts would be linked with morality? This is so fascinating, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm nerding out on this because I literally didn't think about it. Explain. If you think about the Romans, right? What do we know about the Roman mythology? Was it Dionysus? Was like, he's all about wine and sex and partying. And then you have the baths of Rome where it was like, Mm -hmm. literally like eyes wide shut. The Catholics. (laughs) No, for real. So the Roman Catholic Church was like, we need to reel this stuff in. So what's his name, Jen? The emperor? Theodosius. Mm -hmm. He was the first emperor of Rome to be like, okay, let's start reeling in these sex acts. So like male prostitutes at that time were publicly burned. So like he was like, we just need to chill out. Like we're too sexed up. Let's just relax. And then from there, the Catholic Church created a massive campaign against sodomy or sodomites, especially homosexuals. So not just anyone doing butt stuff, which is really what we're talking about, but now specifically males. And between the years of 1250 and 1300, homosexuality activity was radically criminalized in most of Europe and even punishable by death. So the punishments and torture, if you were caught being a homosexual, which which is just like doing a sex act, I guess, because how would they know unless you're doing it, um, was more brutal than some of the consequences of like the Old Testament. I'm sad now. Don't be. It was an imperfect time. Tell me more. Why the change? Why did they change to specifically homosexuality and making the change to a moral dilemma, like making it like this is more than just about the sex act or about keeping women and enslaved people as objects of sexuality. Now it's become this whole moral heavy thing that it's against God and the Bible and all that. Why did that change? This push towards man-on-man romance. Very delicate. I'm saying butts up. She's saying romance. (laughs) Was because you have the clergy who are a group of men and you have the monks who are groups of men living together in the Middle Ages. And the church wanted to make sure that they were celibate. And so it really sprung from wanting those church groups to remain celibate and not be getting it on in the monasteries and in the rectories. Church is never fun. Church is never fun. (laughs) Fast forward to modern times in the United States. Fast forward to our modern understanding of sodomy laws, because if you can believe it, you guys, there are still laws on different constitutions around the country. Still. Still. It's insane. Isn't that messed up? So crazy. So for most of the 19th and the 20th centuries, the sodomy laws were used as a secondary charge in cases of sexual assault, sex with children, public sex and sex with animals, which, of course, no one no one should have sex with animals or children. Can we just agree on that? Like, seriously. But why that equivalency makes me angry. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why bring that up? Yes. And a lot of 
of times I fall victim to that trap because I'll be talking to someone and they'll be like, well, how do you feel about child molestation? I'm like, what? And I fall, like, of course, I'm not for it. But why are you bringing it up in this conversation? Because it's an umbrella talking point, right? Like, it's disturbing. And it's distracting. We're not talking about let's have sex with children. We're talking about let two consenting adults express their love in a physical way. Yes. So during the 1960s, a lot of notable things were happening within the LGBTQ plus community. And we, of course, we didn't call it that then. But also civil rights in general in the 60s. Yeah. And part of that was Illinois was like the first state in the nation to repeal the sodomy laws. So I just want to give my hats off to the land of Lincoln, our homeland. (laughs) That's where we're from. But on the other side of that token, there were like servicemen and women being discharged from the Navy and different parts of the armed services because they identified as homosexual. And then when they were fighting back, like, hey, United States, you don't have a right to tell me what to do at this point. They weren't given a formal review. So they're just like, sorry. Also, during the 60s, the first LGBTQ plus assassination happened. Not only that, but around the country, specifically in communities like uh, San Francisco that was friendly to um, homosexual communities, there were police bribing bar owners that identified as homosexuals or provided a safe space for homosexuals to keep them safe by giving them money. So like, we're only going to help you if you pay me money to help you. Right. So This whole push pull, like as people were going about their business, some people were capitalizing on the discrimination against the community. Other people were fighting back that did lead to change. But it was a whole bunch of vitriol happening and changing during the time. Do you want me to continue? Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Do you think so? (laughs) It it is. So as the young gay rights movement began to make headway, social condemnation against being gay began to weaken. So people were like, you know what? This really isn't our place to regulate in like a legal way. And so conversations began to change. But there was a huge pushback like we see Anytime we start to experience change, like things loosen up, then there's this whole like, ah, we need to control things more. So in nine states, sodomy laws were rewritten to only apply to gay people. So sodomy laws of the past to regulate procreation and to to regulate whether or not women or children could be used as sexual whatever. Now it's like, okay, we shouldn't be doing that anymore. But gay people still know. But in addition to those nine states that rewrote the sodomy laws to only affect gay males, two states courts decided that sodomy laws could not be applied to private heterosexual conduct because these laws only affected the gay community. Doesn't make sense. It's upsetting. So the implication of these laws were to limit the ability for gay people to raise children, to get married, to find jobs, sometimes housing. And the laws were used in public debate to justify denying certain rights to gay people. Let's talk about Blackbeard. Yes, this is okay. Like I say, this is one of my favorite episodes. It's right behind Ridgeway because I thought Ridgeway was fascinating. And this this one is just awesome in another way because there's such a hard contrast from the first half of the episode to the second half of the episode because of myth and this reality. And 
it's funny because I because I'm going to have to get a redemption moment here of the what did I call it the circus bear the, the social elite social circus. elite circus bear that is like my favorite thing now social elite circus bear is the explain. best thing I've ever heard in my entire life you need to explain <laughs> this to me because I have no idea what so, this means the three of us were on this like conversation I was sitting in my I remember I was sitting in my truck <laughs> and then we were you were describing it to me. We were describing how flamboyant, how extra Blackbeard was. Yes. And if he were gay, where on the gay spectrum he would be. If he were not only gay, right. but if he were gay, alive today, and part of your gay community, where would he fit Correct. in? How would others relate to his particular brand of fabulousness? Well, he obviously was great at manipulating ideas of himself to others, right? So I self promotion yeah, and showy. Showy. He's definitely a bear in the gay community. Explain the bear thing, just from your understanding. We know you're not a gay expert. We know this isn't your original thoughts, but yeah, from you your don't speak for all gays. We understand this. Yeah. Although you're the right. coolest gay I know. Um, <laughs> it, you know the, the the subcultures. There is what are called bears. They're larger guys that are. Typically hairy, you know, body hair, like beards and whatever. I myself would be considered oh, a bear. Aww. And they even have other little subcultures in the bear community that are other mammals like like otters and wolves. Otters? And things like that. But um, I came up with circus bear. Well, yeah, otters are hairy and with a swimmer. Oh. So, uh, um, what came to my mind is circus bear because of how showy he is, right? I love it. What's interesting about that, though, because after I did it, I was listening to how he was in the myth. I was like, I got it all wrong. You know, I was thinking, well, only because a circus bear is, you know, taking commands from this ringmaster or something. You know what I mean? When you think of it in that context, whereas he was in command in that, what, year? Yeah. Whatever. I, I know it was a brief time. And he really quickly just made himself on top, you know, of that whole ring of piracy. And it's it's fascinating. So when I was researching and learning about Blackbeard and then who the man was, Edward Teach or Thatch, depending on what spelling you're going with, I was so surprised that he would give up a life of privilege and a life of luxury life of wealth on a plantation and give away his inheritance and live on a ship. It's fascinating. Which would have been dangerous. And it was well known that if you were a pirate, you didn't have a long life. Like you were signing up for, right. you know, a, a short existence. And that really surprised me. Does that surprise you from your lens? Like the choice that he made or no? It doesn't. Surprise it doesn't. Me. No. Wow. Because... I mean, Kind of, if you put yourself in his shoes, if you decide to, is money worth it, right? Is money and comfort worth, or are you finally had enough and you want to be yourself? You know, are you going to go off to the corners of the earth and figure it out? I mean, he certainly figured it out for a little bit, you know, and he got to be himself. Yeah. Wow. What about the wives? 
there was a lot of yeah a lot of the legend was like he had 14 wives and 12 of them were alive at the same time and he would stop at a port and he would get a woman and he would marry her and then he would just put her on like cut her loose and let her go and then pick up the next woman what do you think of that behavior given the rest of what what was happening in his in his world it certainly sounds like a show right it does sound like beard like it's a beard and um you know and keeping up his reputation he's got a, it that's the biggest thing i think he had to worry about was keeping up the reputation mm, the reputation of being virile and manly and yeah super straight right like not only does he do this over here he's taking over these ships blah blah, blah. he's running through the women it reminds me of the Tudors. If you look at like a picture of King Henry VIII, like his legs are big, his crotch is like pronounced because they were, it's like, sure. it's a symbol of power. It was like the whole bravado mm-hmm. thing. That's what yes. that reminds me of. Yeah. The poor it, woman. Think about like if you're like this hot guy, big beard, <laughs> he comes to town, he's like, I'm going to marry you. You're all excited. Then he's like, get on this boat and cut you off and like just waves. I'd be like, what? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I don't know. He could have taken her to the chamber and he was like, let me let me just settle with you. I'm gonna cut you loose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's some money. Here's some gold. This was just for a show. I really don't think that he did that for real. I think that was all part of his smoke and mirrors, all part of this yeah. legend of him to explain why he wasn't married. Explain why he wasn't with a wife because he's too insatiable to have mm. just one woman, right? Even right. even the the legends about how he would force himself upon the merchants' daughters and the farmers' daughters. I I don't think that's true either. Mm-hmm. I think that was just another myth a that they play. propagated to keep people afraid of him. Because if you're afraid, you're not going to ask questions. You're not going to try to get to know the man. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> right. he is fearsome and dangerous. So you close your door when he's in town and you lock your, you know, your daughters away. Very interesting. I, oh, what were you saying? I was thinking of something, but I got so captured in, in <laughs> what you were saying. I think about how that story, that I am. I'm forcing myself. It shows the power play in that sexuality that was really the cause of sodomy laws in the beginning. Right. So that yeah. idea of controlling sex or if you're the person propagating sex, you're the one in control is something that we see over and over again in a different context. And the fact that a gay man living for two years as like a notorious pirate is still relevant in pop culture today. If you're not Blackbeard for Halloween, I'm going to beat you up because you really that would be oh amazing. Amazing. Can I can I put you as one of my wives? Oh, I wanted to be the bird. I wanted to dress up like a parakeet or something. <laughs> There's something else I wanted to ask you about. Okay, after Blackbeard was killed in that final battle and they rounded up all the pirates that, that were on his team, right, or that supported him, were on his ship, were on his crew. And they were telling stories. And this one stuck with me. And I want to ask you guys what you think. There's one story in particular where they said a random figure would be seen on the ship. And you wouldn't know where the figure came from and you wouldn't recognize him. And they whispered among themselves that it was the devil himself come to Blackbeard's ship because it's the one place on earth that's as bad as hell. What do you think of that particular legend that they were telling about spotting a figure, an unknown figure on the ship? Ryan, you go first. Okay. So the first thing that popped into my mind was 
it was a lover. It was this male lover. Yes. And and whether or not it's either the the crew was keeping his secret by saying that story, or he also was enough of smoke and mirrors to them telling them that he was the devil and he was in this person would maybe appear here and there i mean because it's impossible to hide right, right. on the ship for the whole time and you know maybe blackbeard would even convince them that i have the devil himself on this ship and the devil made me do it let's just say if you were going to be a pirate and you didn't identify as gay and you were on the boat kind of like gay for the stay and then like this devil came up and made me feel so good and then we just did it and must have been the devil the devil made me do it Oh, wow. I didn't think of that, Jill, but I was I was with Ryan the whole time. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I think that it was probably a little bit of all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there was sure. was a small group around him who knew exactly what Blackbeard was about and wanted to protect him by telling the story. And I think that there were other crew members who maybe weren't as close in his inner circle who were maybe afraid when they saw random men, you know. Sure. And if you're afraid you're not going to go up to them and be like who are you and what are you doing here because rumor is it could be that satan himself Mm -hmm. right Right. so but yeah jill i hadn't thought of that that is Is that dark too dark I think all of those things are true. I mean, come on, you guys. If you're not getting loving for a month, like, it's very easy to, like, succumb to that, right? Like, we're not sure. going to lie. So if, if you're not sure. if you're not identifying that way and that happens, then fine. You know what I mean? Like, devil, the devil yeah. made me do it. Mm-hmm. But if you were identifying as, like, this is fun for me, I don't even think they would be, like, gay or not. I just think this is what we're doing now. Like, this is fun. We're on a ship together. Right. Yeah. Right. What you're, else are you going to do? Exactly. You don't want to know who that guy is Anyway, you don't want to have to look at him pulling the, you know, the plank up. You know what I mean? The things we just did. You know, you're going to keep the light off, right? (laughs) You're not going to be questioning like, Paul, is that you? Yeah. Do you think that Edward Teach, Blackbeard, do you think his family knew why he joined the Navy and then turned to piracy? Do you think they knew that he was homosexual, perhaps? I think it would be hard not to know something like that with your family. I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, and then me, and who knows, maybe his monetary to the family was an agreement he had with his stepmother. Ooh. You know what I mean? And where he was, he was in Jamaica, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. He was born in England, born in England, but his family went to Jamaica to make a fortune there because that's where you could get a plantation, work it cheap with slave labor and yeah. make money. And that's exactly what they did. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jamaica was always heavily anti-gay, mm. you know, or having sodomy laws because if you can probably look it up but it's known as one of the most dangerous places for gay people to travel to you're kidding no it's probably the third in the world so last i knew and this was this was when i traveled there a few years back and uh, we were with my husband's family and i was like i don't know about this and they do punish their own people oh my god i know I know, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's just a long, steep history. You know what I mean? I had no wow. clue. I had no clue at all. Wow. Jill, do you have any other questions for Ryan about Blackbeard? I do. Um, Ryan, growing up, or even when you were older, did you ever suspect that Blackbeard was gay? Or <laughs> or like, <laughs> like, like Johnny Depp's character 
on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, did that seem Captain like Jack? Yeah, did that Captain, Captain Jack Sparrow? Like, did that seem Captain Hook? Captain Hook, you know what I mean? Captain Hook was probably a better one for, for me to recognize from my youth, whereas I really wasn't into the, you know, the Sparrow. Yeah, the Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. We weren't really either. Uh, it's interesting, right? You can look back and easily find cartoon characters that were feminine or maybe like there's like that pink cat, Snagglepuss or whoever. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of characters. That have, I have to look up Snagglepuss. Go on. These characters existed, right? Right. These feminine characters existed in cartoons, animation. And Captain Hook was definitely, he was like portrayed that way. If you look at it in the Peter Pan cartoon. I think looking at Blackbeard's legacy, I think the fact that he, if if we're, what I believe and what Jennifer discovered in spirit that the man was gay, how cool is it that he's known for himself and who he was? You know what I mean? And there's like the yeah. fear he put into people and his campaign, even if like the legends got a little like hyperbolic, but just the fact that there is no talk like that did not define him. And I think that's such a great example. Right. Even though there is that dichotomy, because if it weren't for him being gay, this wouldn't have happened. But still, if he was going to make a mark on the world, it's long lasting and it has nothing to do with his sexuality, which would have been the biggest thing about him at the time. The most pertinent factor in his decision making. Right. You gave me goosebumps, Jill. It is fascinating. I think it's great that, you know, he that he came to Jennifer and was like, we need this validation of the story that is out there you know it was already discussed by historians and it's like he finally feels like he can come out of the closet right does feel like that and he's doing it in this way so now i have a new gay bestie too (laughs) (laughs) mine's better and he's a dead pirate (laughs) dead pirate face out of here (laughs) but i i feel like if we end on that note how hopeful it is that If we look at history and its arc towards um, where we're heading, that Blackbeard can finally come out of the closet, that there are less need for communities to be established for safety around to keep these these people to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Absolutely. I think we're moving right. in the right yeah, direction. You just got to keep fighting the good fight. What else do you yeah. want the people to know before we let you go, Ryan? Oh my gosh! Um, that he's I fabulous. Don't have anything exciting. That he's oh, fabulous. I, I don't. You don't need to yes, What the world needs to know is two things. When mom met Ryan, because I moved to Illinois, I moved to Illinois. I moved from Illinois to Michigan. Mom met Ryan. And she thanked me for being your friend. Literally <laughs> thanked him for being my friend. <laughs> I did too. Apparently, yeah, Jennifer did, did a couple times because she's like, "What time?" <laughs> I, I was like, "Are you sit-? like honestly?" I was like, "I bring stuff to the I table." I got a too. lot of thank yous at your wedding. <laughs> I send him thank you cards regularly. Okay, <laughs> on my birthday, you send Ryan a thank you card. Yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. Exactly. Keep her out All of trouble, right. Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I loved it. It was it was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. You have to come on again. Love you. I love you so much. Thank you for doing this. Love you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.